that this is not a test Everywhere the atom bombs are dropping It's the end of all humanity No more time for last minute shopping It's time to face your final destiny It's Christmas at ground zero There's panic in the crowd We can dodge debris while we trim the tree Underneath a mushroom cloud Or Jack Frost on your windowsill But if someone's climbing down your chimney You better load your gun and shoot to kill Oh, it's Christmas at round zero And if the radiation level's okay I'll go out with you and see all the new mutations on New Year's Day It's Christmas at round zero Just seconds left to go Today you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Hey, wait a second. That's pretty good for this time of the year. <laughs> bring back the circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Yeah. That's kind of what we're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's a good thing to it's do like, this time of year. Wake up! And be healthy, and therefore wealthy, in the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. Woohoo. Woohoo. You're, I think you're excited about St. Louis Earth Day, huh? The theme <laughs> oh, yeah. is superheroes this Superheroes, year. yeah. That's the theme for St. Louis Earth Day. We will actually have an interview <clears throat> with a superhero. Somebody might know her, Aaron Barakovich. Hmm. But first, let's get into some Occupy Everywhere news. OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com On to the news for today. Occupiers in Eugene have started leaving their encampment after the city council voted to evict them. While no citations have been issued yet, occupiers are split between staying and going as many in the group are, quote, chronically homeless. Occupy Berkeley had many people leave last night in preparation for the eviction raid, uh, but that raid never came. While police did walk through the encampment several times, only one empty tent was removed, leaving occupiers confused as to why they chose then to take it. Occupy Tucson was raided last night with no reports on arrests. While there have been no violence reported from Tucson, their encampment has been unequally targeted for a citation, with the police department say they number over 700. 
at 700 citations. Well, mm-hmm. The occupiers are meeting at noon today to discuss further action. Occupy Youngstown uh, protested the brine injection and fracking project set to begin in Hubbard Township uh, this week. Protesters say that there are too many unknown results to allow the project to continue and that current regulations are not enough. Police in Scranton have given occupiers until noon today to remove their encampment or be evicted. Protesters say they will not disobey police orders and are having a meeting to discuss plans for further action. Occupy Auckland has lost their appeal to keep their encampment. Their time limit expires at 2.30 p.m. If occupiers choose to stay uh, stay after eviction time, officers have been granted the right to cite them for contempt of court. San Francisco State University brought in police to clear out the Occupy encampment yesterday after they told occupiers they would not be allowed to stay during the winter break. Most protesters left willingly, but ten tents remained around 5 a.m. Police in ride gear showed up to clear them out, and they left peacefully. A war veteran who was smoking a cigarette and talking on his cell phone was approached by Long Beach police yesterday and told he could not smoke in the park. As he hung up his phone, police wrenched his arms behind his back, placing him in a chokehold until 30 seconds after he went unconscious. Uh, So that's not a fun time. If you would like to read the complete article, we do have a link on our newsletter. We do usually have links to videos and pictures and links to more information in our newsletter of the stuff we talk about. Occupy Boston has dropped their lawsuit against the city, citing a slow-moving litigation as an issue with reaching their goals. Now, what do you think? Everybody's getting evicted from their, you know, peaceful protesting. Now, what is there, a thin line between camping and protesting? (laughs) Yeah, apparently. So... Now, all these people are going to no longer spend 24 hours a day protesting, or are they going to refocus their energy on something else? Yeah, well, I, I think they'll refocus their energy on something else, and that's, you know, uh, part of the thing is they probably think, oh, these people are going to go home and just, you know, go take a nap, <laughs> you know, but they're going to still do other things in their community. I mean, if someone's dedicated enough to, you know, put themselves out there 24 hours a day. Yeah, if they're dedicated dedicated enough to be out there in the cold, out there 24 hours, they're obviously committed to this. And so if you force them from not being able to do it that way, they'll find other ways to uh, challenge what's going on. Honestly, if they wanted them to get worn out, they should just leave them outside. <laughs> yeah. And the weather will wear them out. I yeah. mean, living 24 hours a day outside in the weather is pretty hard. Yeah. I mean by, you know, evicting them from their peaceful protest, um, they're kind of forcing them to focus their energy on, well, maybe obtaining some of those um, foreclosed homes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a few <clears throat> groups that now that are going and helping people who are trying to be, evi- you know, evicted from their homes, in some cases, when they have the money to pay for it. I yeah. Mean, many cases, when they have the money to pay for it. The bank just wants the home to resell to somebody else or something. But, you know, in many cases, they don't have enough money to pay. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe the authorities were worried the winter would be too mild, that they wouldn't be uh, uh, scared off on their own. <laughs> it has been a very, I think today is the first, like, actual weather of winter. It's pretty much been about 60 degrees during, during the day, at least, <laughs> and not much 
colder than that at night yeah. for the last couple of weeks. I mean, so maybe you're right. <laughs> so, speaking of which, climate skeptics. <laughs> climate skeptics say the darndest things. The five top craziest things GOP contenders said on the climate <laughs> in 2001. Okay, so this isn't just anybody. These are people who are <clears throat> contending to be the president, correct? Mm, yeah. It's just like, all right. With Sure, the extreme wing of the GOP has been saying crazy things about climate for a while, but the anti-science wing is now in charge. Speaker of the House John Boehner, quote, The idea that carbon dioxide is a carcinogen that is harmful to our environment is almost comical, end quote. Mm. Okay, let me see if I can try to understand that. What? <laughs> and it has been able to make climate craziness a litmus test for the presidency. Just three years ago, a GOP nominee was a climate hawk who campaigned on cap-and-trade system to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and folks like Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney supported climate science and climate action. But... All right, let's say a few of the top five. Yeah. Okay, so let's go with the, this one. Huh? Uh, Rick, here's one by Rick Perry. Uh, well, I do agree that there is, the science is, is not settled on this. The idea that we would put America's economy at, at, at jeopardy based on scientific theory that's not yet, that, that's not settled yet to me is just, is nonsense. I mean it, I mean, and I somebody, and I tell somebody, <laughs> I, I Slipped in one or two extra ums and ahs there. <laughs> and I tell somebody, I said, just because you have a group of scientists that have stood up and said, here's the fact, Galileo got outvoted for a spell. <laughs> what? Okay. I'm not even going to try to get in there. Um, <laughs> Michelle Bachman. Human-made climate change is, quote, ma manufactured science, end quote. And another quote is, what we need to do is pass the mother of all repeal bills. And it's the repeal bill that will get at job-killing regulations. And I would begin with the EPA, because there is no other agency like the EPA. It should really be renamed the Job-Killing Organization of America, end mm -hmm. quote. Yeah, and I've actually seen evidence critiquing that view of the EPA, but that's a whole other story. Uh, let's see. Some other quotes here. Uh... The day that the president became president, gasoline was 179 a gallon. Uh, look at what it is today. Under President Bachman, you will see gasoline come down below two dollars a gallon again. That will happen. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see two dollars a gallon gas again. <laughs> Not on purpose. I mean, unless we ha have you know subsidized it more heavily than we are now. Yeah, <laughs> which she I mean, might do. Oh yeah, that's possible, huh? Maybe that's her plan. Um, Newt Gingrich is number three, but I actually have another thing about him also. Um, the Washington Post actually gave Newt a rare upside-down Pinocchio for this slice of crazy, since in February 2007 interview on PBS's Frontline, Newt Gingrich actually said, I think if you had mandatory carbon caps combined with the trading system, much like we did with Sulphur, and if you had a tax incentive program for investing in the solutions, that there's package there that's very, very good. And frankly, it's something I would strongly support. <laughs> so back in 2007, he supported cap and trade. But now, 
Newt Gingrich does not say that. He <laughs> actually... I guess he was for it before he was against it. Well, now he says publicly that what he said then, sitting on the couch with Nancy Pelosi, is the dumbest single thing I've ever did in the last few years. If you noticed, I've never favored cap-and-trade, and in fact, I actively testified against it. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> There's actually video of him saying that he favors cap-and-trade. So. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you get politicians to directly contradict each other. Or uh, each other, themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, sorry, yeah, I mean, themselves. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, let's see, here we go. Uh, this one is from uh, John Huntsman. Uh, He's actually the sanest one of the bunch. <laughs> I don't know, it, it's hard to say which one's the sanest one. Once you get to a certain level of crazy. <laughs> uh, so it was especially head-exploding when he asked, uh, he was asked by a conservative blogger if humans contribute to global warming, and here was his response. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, nor am I a physicist, but I would defer to science. The scientific community owes us more in terms of a better description or explanation about what might lie beneath all of us, but there's not enough info right now to be able to formulate policies in terms of addressing it overall, primarily because it's a global issue. <laughs> now, he did change his mind 24 hours later, so I guess technically we can just call him crazy for a day. Yeah. You know. And now, officially crazy enough to win the GOP nomination, Mitt Romney on number one. <laughs> Mitt Romney is the second most rational GOP contender. Remember, we're grading on a very steep curve here. <laughs> and back in June, he said, I don't speak for the scientific community, of course, but I believe the world's getting warmer. I can't prove that, but I believe based on what I've read that the world is getting warmer. And number two... I believe that America, I mean America, <laughs> that was a that was a, a Freudian slip. I believe that humans contribute to that. And so I think it's important for us to reduce our emissions of pollutants and greenhouse gases that may well be significant contributors to climate change and the global warming that we're seeing. But then late in October, after months of campaigns and countless debates with the other contenders, apparently Stockholm Syndrome stuck set in and he said my view is that we don't know what's causing climate change on this planet and the idea of spending trillions and trillions of dollars to try to reduce co2 emissions is not the right course for us now this man is now at 67 percent on e-trade to win the nomination and everyone else is below 10 percent so his crazy does count a little more mm -hmm. congratulations mitt you are saying just enough things that are crazy to win the GOP nomination. <laughs> so. Well, good thing climate change isn't a serious concern. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, all, all of their denials and muddled statements would be rather have troubling. We, have we ever had 60-degree weather for two weeks in December? <laughs> uh, it, it's possible, but it's one of those things where, like, uh, it, it's difficult to pin a single weather event or a single season on climate change. But it's easy to recognize patterns. You know, we have had a pattern of increasingly warmer winters uh, and incre increasingly warmer years. Uh, and it's uh, an unsettling pattern. Well, and increasingly more um, strengthening storms. Yeah. I mean, great, greater storms, more extreme storms. Bipolar weather. <laughs> so I decided to not really 
expose you to all of the seven biggest celebrity hits and misses of 2011. Hmm. Maybe we should save that for next week. <laughs> yeah. But I have, there's the seven biggest celebrity hits and misses on the environment. But I've decided to highlight number one. Yeah. <laughs> We've already talked a little bit about it, but what is the miss, number one celebrity miss of 2011? <laughs> yes. Uh, in Well, we have uh, Newt Gingrich. Uh, as we mentioned, he sat down with Nancy Pelosi to film public service announcement. Uh, this was for the Week campaign, saying, We do agree. Our country must take action to address climate change. Those are the words of... Uh, and this was an ad campaign that what they did is they got people who are, you know, opposed to each other. The Week campaign was a series of ads yeah. of people who were opposed to each other in many issues. Yeah, but that, saying this they, is what they, they agreed agree. on climate change. Yeah, and so that was it was a nice, you know, a bipartisan effort, you know. A multi-partisan. Uh, so it's it sounded like a nice thing. But then this year, uh, in an effort to rally support for his presidential nomination bid, he backtracked. Uh, and he called the video probably the dumbest thing, single thing he's done. Uh, yeah. If, if you would like a, uh, to see a copy of the video, um, please email info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And let me know if you just want this week's newsletter or you want to receive every week's newsletter. <laughs> So. He also says the EPA should be replaced with an environmental solutions agency. What does that mean? I don't even know. It seems like a strange name game. I mean, aren't they already an environmental solutions agency? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are coming up ways to save the environment, and that's a very good solution. Yeah, I think that's probably Newt's solution to trying to appease his anti-environmentalist followers and still trying to get in some environmentalists on his side. Ah, okay. <laughs> So, I think it was, did you know that it was warm enough this week that my parents' snowball bush started budding? Hmm. I didn't know snowballs grew on bushes. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, I don't know, it's like, <laughs> got all these little flowers on it, and it looks yeah. like a big poof ball. I don't know what it's actually called. Yeah, yeah, I know those, those kind of flowers. Yeah. But my dad said it was starting to bud. That it, I mean, and it's supposed to do that in the spring. But it thinks <laughs> yeah. it's spring. Yeah, well, that's one of the difficulties of uh, climate change. You know, if if you have irregular weather patterns, then things might bud early. They might, uh, you know, th start getting ready for spring way too early and then freeze. Yeah, so. All right. Oh, snap. Grow gardens with food stamps, I say? Did you know that one of the little-known facts about the SNAP federal, uh, the SNAP program or, you know, people call it food stamps, is the fact that you can buy seeds and plants with it. That's right. Not just food. Well, seeds and plants happen to be food. Yeah. And you can grow a lot with a seed or a plant. So, this article is about a lady a few years ago, back when she still had a job in the natural foods industry, quote, my kids only got the best in terms of food, said Corbin Hightower, a mother of three, then she said, quote, we lost everything and started and really started having to compromise. Hightower signed up for the Federal Supplementary Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, or food stamps. When she looked through the information pa pamphlet she received, she found that SNAP benefits can be used to buy seeds and plants, not just food. So she went to Whole Foods, bought some seeds, and planted a garden of salad greens, quote, 
It was one of the things I could do that made me feel like my children weren't going to have to let go of eating well, she said. Now, unlike Hightower, most SNAP recipients are not aware of this alternative use. Quote, I'm really proactive about obtaining information, so maybe that helps, she said. I'm not the typical customer, although I'm sure that there are a lot more like me now, people who have shopped at the perimeter of stores and brought, bought organic. So, yeah, and that's, I think that's a good thing, both because, you know, growing your own food is good and because, you know, you can, it's like pennies on the dollar, basically. You put in a little bit of labor to grow a garden and uh, you turn seeds into food. <laughs> and it's actually been part of the program since <clears throat> 1973. Mm -hmm. And um, there's actually, in this article, uh, a guy started a nonprofit called Snap Gardens to spread the word about this off the overlooked aspect of it. Yeah. Which has been around since 73. I have never known that. Mm, I yeah. mean, um, actually 46 million Americans use food stamps. That's nearly 15% of the U.S. population. So imagine if 15% of the U.S. population started growing some food. <laughs> yeah, that would be, be nice. Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is an educational... Educational nonprofit called Snap Gardens. Let's see. And even renters may be able to, if they can find a, a plot to grow it on, you know, if there's a plot at the place they rent or they can find a community spot. Snapgardens.org. You can even do some home growing, you know, growing in uh, the, the buckets in your house. Yeah, I mean, there's always place you can grow something. Will do. <laughs> Let's talk about a superhero. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see the movie Aaron Barakovich? Uh, I saw... I, I'm not sure if I've seen the whole thing. I know I saw a good portion of it. In the decade or so since her life was immortalized in the Oscar-winning Julia Roberts film Aaron Barakovich, the real Barakovich has continued her environmental crusade. I mean, basically, she was working in a California law firm as a file clerk, and... She stumbled upon the fact that Pacific Gas and Electric was going to, well, anyway, information that forced Pacific and Gas and Electric to pay the largest injury settlement in U.S. history, essentially for poisoning the groundwater. Yeah. So. Turns out it's a bad idea to poison the groundwater of an entire town. <laughs> Especially if you're caught. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Um, we've got an interview here to, where she's talked about some of the stuff that in her latest book called Hot Water, an environmental thriller. Um, let's see what else there's. She, she's written a book called Rock Bottom about mountaintop removal mining and then the sequel Hot Water is looking into the controversial nuclear research facilities. Um, they are both novels, but, you know, what is it? She calls them a cause novel. <laughs> yeah. Instead of, like, a historical novel, this is a cause novel talking about issues. Yeah. So Talking about a specific cause. You know, it's, it's a bit breathless and heavy-handed, but undeniably a real page-turner with lots of cliffhanging, you know, what is it called? Um, 
Mm. I wouldn't know anything about Paul's novels. Oh, I was, novels. I was pausing. That was my cliffhanger. <laughs> that was your cliffhanger. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I jumped off your cliff there. <laughs> so, um, there was a question here. Let's see. I think I want to ask you the question too, Song, <laughs> and you can answer as her probably. How do you feel becoming a superhero? Okay. Speaking of superheroes, I have to ask, what's it like to go from an ordinary, unknown person to a household name who gets tens of thousands of emails a month? <laughs> well, I don't quite get tens of thousands of emails a month, so I'll go ahead and let her answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I get lots of emails, but yeah. Okay, here's her answer. People ask me that question all the time, and I have to tell you, 11 years later, it's taken me all this time to kind of formulate an answer. At first it was fun, then kind of surreal, and I didn't really know what to do with everything. Sometimes I felt like Jim Carrey in the movie God Almighty, where all the emails came in from God. Uh, it was like, stop, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so I do feel a little overwhelmed, but I also feel a great sense of pride and honor. I mean, I'm not sure how I got tagged as the toxic lady, but I just keep always bringing it back home to how and why it is that I got started and involved in Hinkley. It was just getting to know my neighbor, and look what came from it. So getting to know your neighbor is a good thing. It might even inspire you to become a superhero. Yeah. So. I'm curious about what you think of the Occupy movement and what wisdom you would have for the 99% on how to turn that kind of anger into meaningful action. Hmm. Oh, yeah, where's that one? <laughs> right above it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fine. There we go. So, yeah, her response to that is... Uh, uh, go home and implement change there, that that's where you start. I love the idea of Occupy Wall Street. It's obvious what they're angry about. It so is? Wait a second. It's <laughs> obvious what they're angry about? <laughs> yeah. Not in the mainstream media, it's not. <laughs> well, the mainstream media does as much as it can to obfuscate and hide what's what it's about. <laughs> Wait a second. I thought the media was... Okay. <laughs> I'm just being a pain. Uh, okay. Well, she says, it's not an easy world right now, and I get it. I have a son who's just come back from Afghanistan with PTSD. I've recently been through the death of my father. I feel the economic crunch. I'm with every American at that level. All I can do is focus on what I can do to get through this and how I can help other communities collectively to get through it. Uh, she says, I would also advise people to go home and make a system that is workable for you within your home. If each one of us did that, it might send a bigger message to corporations. Take your community back, and if you don't like something, then speak up, run for something, because you can change something. Don't sit and wait for someone else to give you directions on where you need to go, because Superman's not coming. <laughs> well, happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. Let's get together with each other and talk about... I think this holidays we should talk about politics. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It might cause contention, but for once we need to straighten out things. Yeah. Well, you know. people talk about, you know, peace on earth at this time of year, and how can there be peace if there's, uh, you know, uh, people from the banks and the corporations uh, corrupting our governments and uh, causing a lot of hunger and a lot of wars and a lot of bad things to happen. That doesn't lead to peace. If we want peace on earth, we got to work for it. But that's work. <laughs> that's work. The other stuff, you know, just let the corporations do all the work, and we don't have to do any. Yeah. Well, we, we could take a holiday, whatever our favorite holiday of choice is. We can take that day off, you know, maybe the day before and the day after, and then we can get back to, you know, the task. Oh, okay. So, peace. Instead of taking a piece out of somebody, <laughs> have a little peace within. How yes. How about that? I don't know. All right. 
We'll see you again on the radio. Not quite next year. <laughs> the day before next year. Yeah, we'll be here on the radio. Live and in person. <laughs> Stay energized.